Welcome back, Arizona Nation. We're back to break down the conclusion of the season and the latest scuttlebutt on the team. Arizona 24, Arizona State 10. The Sun Devils are facing a third down and nine from the 10. Uh, I'm sorry, a third and goal from the five. Van Rappos rolling, looks back, now he's under some pressure, now he throws, intercepted in the end zone! Martin Rudolph! Cecil, oh, Chuck Cecil! Chuck Cecil with Rudolph as a convoy! Chuck Cecil with the longest interception return in Arizona Welcome back, Arizona Nation. Uh, Gabe and Brandon and I are going to break down uh, a quick wrap-up of the season. We'll get to our past picks uh, on another episode, and we'll break down the last two games in more detail later. Just wanted to cover some of the bigger points as the season's wrapping up. Remember to, co- to follow Gabe at Gabe underscore Encinas and Brandon at U of A Bear Down 07. Also, follow the podcast on Twitter at PodcastZona. Facebook at the Arizona Podcast and email us at ArizonaPodcast at gmail.com. Gentlemen, I don't want to get too much into the Washington State disaster and the fourth quarter meltdown against the University of Arizona, but I did want to hit on some bigger points of the season and just do a quick uh, base touch with you guys as the U of A season wraps to an end. Um, how would you put a bow on the end of the season, Gabe? Um... Well, gosh, there's a lot of different viewpoints you could have from here because you started the season expecting nine wins and then you start 0-2 and, and you're like, well, maybe this team can win you know, three or four games. And they kind of pick things up with Cal. You lose a close one to UCLA with Threat Rod. But then you turn it on against Oregon and then Colorado, you're going into a bye and then you have two disappointing losses back-to-back weeks so kind of a bitter taste in your mouth after you get you know 50 points hung on you in the first half against wazoo not that you know you expect to win that game but it's just kind of just show some competitiveness there and then asu i mean you had uh, a pretty sizable lead there heading a a good chunk into the fourth quarter and then you blow that and so uh you know kind of a sour taste there and kind of up and down roller coaster season but i think you know that's just man it's it's a tough way to go out at five and seven for sure so you're describing it as a lemon head just a little sour not yes. much sweet. yeah yeah all right how about you brandon yeah i kind of agree with gabe um it has been a roller coaster season you know i predicted i think it was a 10 win season or something um yeah, and then, you know, first first game of the season, sure, hiccups, whatever. It's a very winnable game. It didn't end up winning. And then Houston, they kind of set the kind of set the tone of what could happen this season. And uh, it could have been a lot worse, honestly. Uh, but uh, it was very interesting. It's just, like, the best way to explain the season is just inconsistent. Uh, there were times that this team looked like, especially during Oregon and that, that Oregon and Colorado stretch where this team looked amazing. Um and then you go into, uh, you know, you look at Cal and you're like, man, the, the offense kind of struggled, but the defense looked fantastic. But you look at the rest of the season, the defense had a, a lot of issues throughout the season. It wasn't very consistent. Uh, the offense was very consistent. Up until the only, the, the one point 
where the uh, offense was, you know what they could do and, and what it really could do was after, you know, the Oregon game, once Khalil came back from, you know, uh, rest resting against UCLA. Um, but I mean, yeah, the, the, the fourth quarter of the ASU game, you know, definitely in the teacup definitely showed just what the season was to Arizona. It just wasn't what anyone expected. Yeah, I guess uh, if you're a Arizona fan and you look at a program like USC, or you know, let's face it, even if you're a UW fan, I mean, you're you're going to the Pac-12 championship game and potentially the Rose Bowl, which I'm sure Arizona fans would, you know, slash a a senior citizen for. Um, you know, they underperformed largely. Uh, Washington State fans are all pissed off that Leach can't beat UW ever. So, you know, it kind of just depends on what boat you're in. Colorado's fired McIntyre. So, I mean, you know, I would have thought Colorado was in a much better position than us at 5-0 and in the season. And, and here they are with a pretty equivalent record and, um, you know, perhaps just as much, if not more chaos. So speaking of coaching, um, I wanted to touch on a few of the bigger points that popped up immediately in the postseason. season uh, uh, whitewash from the from the rotors and and see what you guys thought about it one of the big um, talking points was would Marcel Yates be retained by um, Kevin Sumlin um, Michael Lev just put out an article uh, that basically says that's likely to be the case maybe based on the fact he's got a two-year contract and he's out there actively recruiting um, what do you guys think about that situation and and what's your assessment of Yates' progress in year, the make-or-break year uh, that was? Brandon, I'll let you go first. So, I, I, I to be for lack of okay, for lack of a better word, I was disappointed with the defense this year. Um, you know, Yates, like I said, he showed flashes of what, you know, he, he called a great game against Oregon. Like that was a, a damn near perfect game against Oregon that he called. And I, and the defense stepped up to the, the plate, did a great job, got tons of pressure on Herbert, made him uncomfortable the whole game. Then you go to uh, Colorado and he dialed up a very similar type, you know, kind of similar type of, of game. And yeah, like Colorado scored 30 some odd points, but a lot of that was because uh, you know, Marcel did a lot of risk in in hoping to get the reward, and most of the time he got reward. It was just sometimes that they didn't. But even, even then, like it was it was okay because he was being aggressive, and he's you know the kind of defense you want, you know, make the the quarterback uncomfortable. But then you look at um, Washington State, where for whatever reason he thought that only rushing three against Gardner Minshew was a great idea. You look at. Uh, you know, Houston, you look at uh, UCLA where the defense just couldn't couldn't hold, uh, you know, hold UCLA. And then you look at uh, USC where they're kind of similar thing. Um, no, like at least in the first half, it was a similar thing. Um, they did pretty well in the second half. And then you finally look at the, the fourth quarter during the Territorial Cup. That, that defense played a great game the entire game. And then fourth quarter goes into, again, rushing three on fourth and eight. Manny Wilkins scrambles for a first down. That is unacceptable. Um, to me, I was, I'm was i kind of shocked that Yates is going to be here next year. 
Um, you know, it's his third year in Tucson. He just finished his third year in Tucson. And sure, he's made minimal gains and, quote, un- improvement, uh, you know, every season. But it's just not enough. I don't think that his, you know, what, what, you know, what he's doing and his game time decisions, I just don't think it's enough. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in the same boat where it's just it, it was disappointing to start the season, and like Brand said, he turned it up uh, against Oregon. I mean, really, just stopped them for nothing. But now, it, and and I'll, I'll give him credit for for a decent amount of the ASU game. I mean, he locked up Nikhil Harry and Eno Benjamin um, for the most part. I mean, none of them really did a whole lot of damage altogether. Um, but I mean, yeah, like, like Brandon said, and like, we've all kind of thought it's year three. I mean, he's, uh, I guess touted for his recruiting efforts and people say, Oh, uh, he can't go because he has so many recruits here or he's such a big part of recruiting. And so he's had three ish years, three and a half ish years to recruit now. And it's not exactly, and these are, these are your guys now at, in your third year and if you're such a high level recruiter and and so good in recruiting then i mean i don't know what else you really need right now uh for your defense to to improve i mean it's been bottom 30 the past three years here so just really disappointing in that sense and to be honest i mean i guess it's kind of smart for someone himself to, to retain him and i mean that just in the sense of if you have another bad, let's say I think the defense was like 90th overall this year. Let's say it goes to like 80th next year. That's not a huge jump, and it's still bottom half, probably still one of the worst in the Power Five. But now, kind of like Rich Rod, you hit that reset button where it's like, okay, I fired my coordinator after year two, so now that kind of buys him a little bit of time to get a new coordinator in there and kind of go through this cycle. So. I mean, personally, I, I would I would let him go. Uh, it seems like he's going to stay here for at least the next year. I mean, maybe we see a mid-season fire if things go pretty bad. But uh, for someone, I think it does kind of buy him a little bit of time. I will say this, too, if you don't mind me adding. Um, and I want to get your take on this, too, Gabe. I think that um, – I really think that the defensive position coaches have did phenomenal this year. Uh, Coach Iona, like he, he definitely, I, I mean, he did a great job, I think with the defensive line. Um, and I even think that like, like Demetrius Martin gets a ton of credit for the ASU game. He got his guys ready. Uh, he got Troy young and Christian young, who by the way, are two converted safeties over at corner he got them ready to play, and they like like Gabe said, they locked down to kill Harry, uh, big time. Uh, I think they only had what like one, maybe two big passing plays, but that that's about it. Um, so I think that those two definitely get a ton of credit, and I can honestly, well, I can say John Rushing does too because the safeties weren't that great at the beginning of the year, but throughout the season you saw them progressively get better and better and better so the position coaches for sure definitely get i think some credit for doing a good job and getting their guys prepared for the games this season well let me ask this is the talent better on defense since yate has arrived yes yes yeah i think it's better 
it's I think the play it's, calling. I think it's substantially better. I don't know about the play calling. I, I think it's tough in a in a relatively high turnover um, offense. But this offense, you know, to counter that argument, this offense isn't exactly Rich Rod speed. There's there was plenty of uh, and we could, you know, beat the drum on whether that's a mistake or not in the ASU game. Um, there's plenty of delay um, in Mazzoni's uh, play calling, especially in late games with the lead. So it isn't all about pace of play, but I do think it's it's harder uh, to run a defense uh, when you're working with Rich Rod and a lot of those 30-second three-and-outs um, just wears down the defense. Yeah, from an advanced stats uh, standpoint, he was 122nd in the nation um, the first season he took over, so that was a fifth percentile or worse team. And then 117 and now uh, 76th. Um, and so, you know, that's a pretty big leap up from 117th to 76th. Um, but uh, obviously it's still pretty low um, and not really high in the, in the power five. Um, not to get into the weeds on the ASU game, but the concept of him losing a fourth quarter lead in the ASU game, do you guys buy that or do you guys put the blame elsewhere? It's kind of that's like a question. It's it was it wasn't even I, I cannot blame the defense solely for what happened um in the fourth quarter. To me it was a group effort. Um an overall compounding um collapse, I guess is the best way to say it. It's like when they blow up one of those buildings and it starts imploding from the middle and just like all the, the load-bearing structures are going one after the other, like like a, a Jenga pile. Yeah, that, that's, that's a, actually a great way to put it. What do you think, Gabe? Would you put that on the defense for, quote, blowing the lead? Um, I mean, obviously, when you rush, I know Michael Lev kind of breaks it down, or he has the past two weeks, the uh, two-man, three-man, four-man and five man plus rushes obviously when you're just sending three every time it's just not a good look i for me i'm definitely one of the people where you keep your foot on the gas and keep your uh keep the foot on the throat and just keep going i would have loved to have seen more pressure and just just more of an attacking defense but at the same time the offense is equally just as much to blame with the play calling there uh, obviously, I, I, you know, Kevin Sumlin really took no blame after that game and said it was on the two turnovers. And yeah, you don't foresee two turnovers, but the play calling had a big uh, part of that loss. And so you mean like you know, uh, going for two in the second quarter? Yeah, yeah. All of, all of those points that you left on the board there. But, um, you know, Khalil's interception, def- definitely kind of your classic fourth quarter Khalil when he's down late. Um, and then JJ just uncharacteristic. Yeah, he was leading there, but yeah, that's classic fourth quarter um, yeah, Khalil giving the yeah. other team the ball. I, I, yeah. I totally agree. But it's fair to say Yates didn't lose the game. No, it's correct. He, he, yeah, he did not. Okay, because that's been a big uh, thing. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about Tate. So earlier um, this season, there were some rumors out about Tate potentially grad transferring or maybe even declaring for the NFL draft and moving on based on some pretty salacious um, rumors of him and uh, Endzone not getting along. Th- that noise has um, quieted a little bit, uh, but 
Tate has had a pretty uh, labile experience at Arizona, to say the least, with the uh, I didn't come here to run the triple option and exploding onto the scene against um, um, Colorado last season and uh, the subsequent offseason drama and two offensive coordinators and Rich Rod's dismissal. So it's hardly been smooth sailing or consistency for Tate, in all fairness to him. But what is your take on Tate and would his departure be a good thing or a bad thing for Arizona? All right, Gaylon, you're going to tackle this one first. Uh, all right. Um, I mean, it depends on kind of what you're looking for next year, I guess. I, it's it's a hard question to answer for sure just because Khalil – I mean, you don't know – too much about the relationship with him and Mazzoni. I mean, I know, uh, I mean, even kind of from the start, Khalil just kind of has this poor attitude of just, I don't know, his, his comments about uh, next question when asked if he was going to be here next year. And just even when Arizona is down, he just doesn't look very motivated on the sideline. He's kind of off to himself and I just, I don't know, just a very uncharacteristic quarterback in that sense. And next year, you know, you have Grant Gannell coming in. You have Kevin Doyle there, who is a Mazzoni guy, but was the only guy who really didn't play. Um, I, I mean, I, I it depends on how fast, you know, Gannell gets to campus and, and learns everything. And if you're comfortable with rolling him out with Mazzoni and just – going through a, a growing pain with a true freshman quarterback, albeit, I mean, in my opinion, he's a top 100 kid, not a three-star, but it's, ah, man, that's tough. I, I think Arizona's fine without him. I don't think he's a guy where you have to keep him happy if he's, you, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like he is someone that he's just kind of his own free spirit and he's going to do what he wants. And, and he's just kind of still a kid. And everyone kind of mentions that, you know, he is, on the younger side he enrolled early and is a year younger and uh you're kind of seeing some of that immaturity over the last few weeks for sure even the season um i don't think he's a guy who's it depends on next year i mean he's definitely more of a greedy quarterback where he's going to be slinging it downfield you definitely started to see that as the season went on he's kind of in it for himself at times and so uh you know, it kind of depends on what you want next year. For me personally, I don't really want him on the team next year. I'm ready to just roll with one of Mazzoni's guys and just I'll I'll see what Mazzoni can do with his own quarterback now at this point and hope that the play calling can get better and we'll see what Doyle or Gunnell can do. I don't foresee Rhett Rod being much of a factor next year. Joyner as well, although he was one of the first quarterbacks to get reps. But for me, I'm moving on past Khalil and just give me one of the new guys. So for me, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as, uh, as Gabe. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't deny it. Tate's got a lot of talent, but – if you don't look down to your if you don't look down to your checkdown receiver and throw an interception to like a receiver that has like three sun devils around them, that kind of tells you all that you need to know. And if you're doing that in the last game of the season, still, um, I mean, Poindexter was wide open at the bottom. Anyway, uh, but that's not the first time that this has happened uh, this season. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's definitely. 
I personally believe that Mazzoni's offense would run smoother with a different QB. And what I mean by that is, yes, Tate made some really great strides this year in his passing, but he refuses to check to check do the check down receivers. You know, if you have someone who's really focused on like beyond intermediate and in like deep threat, Mazzoni's offense isn't going to work that well. Um, and we saw that this year in, in multiple instances where, where drive stalled and, you know, what have you. But, yeah, you just kind of get the sense that, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even saying that Tate is going to uh, transfer because I'm not, I'm not even so certain that that's actually going to be a thing. Uh, it's, I personally believe it's very, very possible that he'll pursue the NFL if he does leave. Uh, but I think that, um, yeah, I feel like, Doyle, um, I even feel like Joyner um, and, and Gunnell could definitely run the offense in a great way. Um, Gunnell is very the prototypical type uh, Noel Mazzoni quarterback. Uh, Doyle is as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see what the younger guys have. I think I'm okay either way. Um, this might be an ominous uh, analogy, but uh, he, he kind of feels like Gabe York to me. Like, um, or maybe Alonzo Trier in the sense of like, um, yeah, maybe he's kind of a turd and a, and a parasite or pariah on the team, but he's our turd. So we've we've invested the time and effort in getting him to a senior year. We might as well reap whatever potential benefit. You know, having said that, neither of those guys uh, worked out too well for Arizona in the end. So maybe moving on early wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing and starting getting some reps for uh, a young guy. I do think one potential advantage to Tate running out a senior season, um, other than the obvious, um, I don't know if excitement's the right word, a drama, other than the obvious drama, is um, it would allow Ganell to redshirt. Um, and so. Um, that would, I think, create an opportunity uh, where he'd have a little bit of time to, to develop before he got thrown out as a true freshman. But that's probably not that big of an issue. Um, let's um, talk about uh, Mazzoni since we put a lot of emphasis on that. Um, I, I was pretty um, adamant that Mazzoni's had plenty of time to show his stripes as an offensive coordinator in the Pac-12 and his time with UCLA and, and ASU and the, the efforts we saw at Texas A&M. You know, it was a late hire. Taking Mazzoni was, um, you know, probably a no-brainer for someone, but I, I found it the most concerning hire of his staff um, other than getting rid of our uh, linebackers coach from last year. What was that guy's name? He went – Scott, Scott Boone. Boone. Yeah, Boone. Um, because because uh, what a great job he had done with uh, the guys he'd brought in and, and bring, coaching them up, but um, you know I, I was not happy with that. The guy's got a house in Scottsdale. He hasn't brought him down to Tucson. It's kind of like he's got a foot out the door. He's near retirement, nepotism. He brings in his kid. You know what would you guys make of how uh, Mazzoni's done this season? And is is him coming back a good thing or a bad thing? So I think that. There definitely been. I'm, I'm going to throw this out there right now. There definitely been times where his play calls been questioning. There's, there's no doubt about that. At the same time, there are definitely times where his his play calling is pretty, pretty solid. Um, for instance, the entire first three quarters against ASU, his play calling was was excellent. Um, I, I cannot. I couldn't find much fault in in the plays that he was calling, other than. 
uh, if I remember, there's uh, one instance where Gary, uh, where, where, like Arizona was on a five or six or five yard line, something like that. And they did, it was like third and goal and they ran uh, Gary Brightwell right up the middle for no gain or something like that. But so, so if you'll remember, um, we had had, a, we had had a bitch session about, uh, someone, I mean, about Mazzoni calling those runs up the middle and we were all throwing our hands up in the air. And then in the Oregon game, he called that play and it worked every single time. And yep. so it, it's interesting that on that one day it worked for him. But the majority of the season, I would agree, uh, he was very stubborn about calling that, and it largely didn't go to his advantage. And the problem was is uh, he actually called the very first play. I remember the very first play of inside the 10-yard line was one of those was, was a run up the middle. Second one was not like it was like a, a, a pass that was like Gabe hates the low percentage passes. And then the third one was, that was you know, Brightwell again. So that's kind of like you're just kind of scratching your head like, okay, so the first run didn't work. Why are we doing it again? Um I mean, that kind of stuff kind of drives you crazy, but I mean, it's, it's interesting because those things are so few and far between in in his game, in his, in his game calling or his play calling that I think when it happens, it gets exacerbated and it's like, boom, right up in the front, because especially since it's uh, in areas on areas of the field or in times in the game where it shouldn't be happening. I think that's the major problem, but for the most part, his play calling is fine. And and actually pretty pretty good. Um, sometimes it's just the execution that they that the offense is doing. So I don't know. I I don't I don't. I'm not all up in arms about getting Mazzoni out of Tucson as fast as possible. I'm interested to give him one more year, see what he can do. To, you know, and depending who's on quarterback and stuff like that. And a lot of it, I do think that it's very possible that you know I just don't think that Cleal uh, his his. Um, talent set just doesn't fit Mazzoni's system you know um there are even times that you see him trying like you, you know that clean you know, other telling Khalil to run when he has time to run and he doesn't so i don't know it's just very very interesting situation but i'm i'm not all up in arms about Mazzoni yet yeah i'm i mean realistically i i didn't think that he was going to be fired but it's um I mean, it's just, it's something that you you definitely think about it just because I feel like all season there are just definitely some points where, um, you know, yeah, like Brandon said, you don't really notice his play like, for the most part. It's it's fine, but then I feel like when there are some screw ups, like even just like the general fan could even just tell that you know what guy, what are you doing, you know? And it's just little things like when. You're putting Joiner in. I think it was Cal when they decided to put him in on the third series uh, when Khalil was rolling already and just little things like that, just constantly running on third and eight or not going for it on fourth and one on the opposing side. And, you know, it it is interesting. And like Brand said as well, I'll give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt with Khalil Tate. I don't think that he's the most coachable kid. And I think that he's just kind of going to want to do his thing and, and he's going to do what he wants. And you kind of saw that even, I think it was either Tony Ellison or Cedric Peterson. One of the two in a interview on Monday, a Monday um, after a game. And they were saying that, you know, Khalil's definitely trying to show off his arm a little bit more, trying to stay away from the running and, so, I mean, we'll see what we can get next year out of Mazzoni with a quarterback of his own, assuming that Tate leaves. Um, you know, you do get a young guy with 
literally no college experience with either Doyle or Gannell at that point. I feel like if Tate leaves, so another bit of a learning curve that could probably be frustrating, but Dax, like you mentioned, I mean, this guy's kind of been around the Pac-12 and, and uh, A&M and, you know, it's just kind of, just kind of seems like he's just, I mean, late, uh, he was a late hire, obviously in, in January slash February ish. Um, he's he's yeah, a journeyman I mean, OC, right? I mean, he's yeah, not the yeah, head he's, coach. He's not going anywhere else. Yeah, he's definitely just kind of your retread, recycle guy. So, right. uh, yeah, uh, you kind of live and die by it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, call me schizophrenic. Um, one of the things I liked about his offense was. I could start to appreciate the concepts he was trying to go with. You know, we're going to, we're going to spread them out vertically and then we're going to go horizontal and try and run up the middle and, you know, the power concepts they ran and, and a lot of their, and a lot of their uh, spread concepts because with Rich Rod, the frustrating thing was when a play went wrong because everybody had an option read, you didn't know who screwed up. You're like, did the receiver run the wrong route or did the quarterback throw the wrong pass? I mean, you know, the ball sometimes would end up 10 yards from anybody on the field. And it was just like, I, and then when a play would break with Rich Rod, you'd be like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is that wide open. So, um, I'm not, um, flabbergasted, but my strong vote, if we could, uh, if one of the Yates, Mazzoni, um, to Tate, uh, tandem were to go, or, uh, triplets were to go, it would actually be, uh, for Mazzoni, um, for the reasons I've, I've argued. Um, speaking of people going, there's a, a, a little early season rumor about, uh, the typical, uh, new coach transfers coming. Maybe people that someone doesn't feel like has a future at Arizona at a competitive level. Do you guys want to make any comments on perhaps the size of the class expanding? I know we've alluded to this before and, I don't know how much you guys want to get into the weeds as far as maybe talking about people that that might be uh, looking to, to continue their football career as well or might be encouraged to do so. So uh, starting with, I guess, the the class size. Gabe and I have – oh, man, I think we've hammered this out for, like, what, dude, the past two weeks um, trying to figure yeah, out – trying, fi- yeah, trying to figure out who's going to come in, like who – who Arizona's going after, and let's see. I think I, looking back at some of our conversations, I know we had one where we named all, pretty much who we believe Arizona's priorities were, and then the fact that they have a chance to like land every single one of them. It was uh, before Miles Tapu so commit. Okay, here we go. So. Gabe and I pretty much agreed that we think that Bobby Wolf, uh, wide receiver Jalen, El- El- sorry Jalen Ellis and Jalen Curry, uh, Peyton Fears, and then uh, our yeah yeah, and then we had Miles Topuso at the time, but he already committed. But we think that those four are the big remaining targets for Arizona. Um, obviously, Ellis and, and Curry are two just dynamic playmaking wide receivers that um, Arizona is going to desperately need now that Sh- uh, Sean, Tony, and Shun are all uh, graduated <clears throat> and will not be back next year. So, uh, And both of those players, and, and I'm sure Gabe will agree, as a matter of fact, that he'll probably tell you about what he, what he was saying tonight on Twitter, was uh, we believe that both, both players can actually make an immediate impact on, on the field um, as freshmen. And then um, Peyton Fears, big six, uh, what is he, like six, 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 seven, 
300 something pound offensive lineman or Juco offensive lineman, uh, who's in my opinion, all but a lock for, for Arizona to get. Um, he'd be someone, you know, you want that kind of size on the offensive line, obviously. And then obviously Bobby Wolf is definitely the type of corner that we were hoping that Demetrius Martin can bring in. And I'm, I'm not even going to lie. I would be 1000% shocked if he did not pick Arizona. Um, yeah, I mean, Brandon and I, we've, uh, we've been tracking down those last few recruits and such. And I think that's how it rounds out. So that's going to be about 20 ish guys. Uh, unsure. I'm Rocky. Itogi, I guess would be one guy who would leave. Maybe there's another late D commit who gets an offer late. Um, but that those final three or four sound about right. And then in terms of guys getting pushed out, uh, real quickly, I think you can look at the quarterbacks. I feel like Kari Lane is is an obvious one who eventually has to transfer closer to home. I really don't know why else you would stay here. Uh, Maybe Joyner uh, takes a look for me. I'm on the camp that Rhett Rod will stay as long as his family's in Tucson. Um, Running backs, I could see them pushing out either Mariscal or Leon. I think Leon would get the short end there. Wide receivers, you got a bunch of young guys. You need Cedric Peterson now with just all this youth. So I don't think anybody really goes there. Tight ends. Um, I mean, maybe Jamie Nunley looks somewhere else. I don't know. Um, that that one I don't see happening too. Uh, or, yeah, I'm not too confident in that as much as I would say the others. Um, maybe Alex Kaczynski um, is a guy. Nathan Eldridge, we don't know if he's going to come back. Prior to the season, I heard that a medical red shirt was a possibility. So if you get him back, that would be great. Hopefully he has no setbacks, but you're also willing to roll with McCauley again after what Joe Gilbert had been able to do. You also get Robert Congle from A&M eligible. He can play center. Uh, on the D-line, um, Sione Tafuhima, uh, he's like, like he, he tweeted one day that he was going to transfer. He's um, gone, and I, yeah, I think yeah, he's I tried, gone. I tried to look for that, but could not find it. P.J. Johnson seems very 50-50 on whether he's coming back or not, um, whether he goes NFL or maybe CFL or whatever, um, or he can come back for his fifth year. Granted, he has to apply for a medical or hardship waiver there. Um, Curtis Brown, I guess we could see leaving. Didn't I, maybe he played like a, you could probably count the snaps that he played on, on one or two hands there. I think he got a, he ended up getting hurt this year. So that's okay. why he stopped playing. Yeah. Okay. So something to watch there. Linebackers. I really don't see anybody leaving their corners. Um, I mean, it's very thin. I could see, uh, Sammy Morrison just not returning. He's had like three seasons end in injuries. Um, Malik Hausman's interesting. I wonder if he's really ever going to be a hundred percent after his ACL tear. I, at this point, I really don't, I had high hopes for him coming out of Bishop Gorman, but I don't see him being ultra productive. Uh, safeties, ready shorts, very interesting. One of the very few, actually he's the only scholarship safety who did not play this year. Um, every other safety had played, but him, um, and then that pretty much does it there. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, pretty much so that you could open up four or five spots here, depending on, uh, how aggressive they get. Jeez, Gabe, why don't you cover it in a little bit of detail? 
<laughs> I actually kind of actually am interested to see what Antonio Parks does. Actually, yeah, yeah, another guy. He's uh, let's see, he's a red shirt. He'll be a red shirt junior. Yeah, he could definitely leave. Uh, another guy, ACL tear, and just never really became one hundred percent. So, so we're not thinking the class is going to get too much bigger, other than the guys that Brandon covered, that that you guys have, you know, a pretty good feeling on. Maybe a, a surprise commit um, uh, down the road, but the, the class is still pretty firmed up at this point. It's mostly about keeping the guys you have committed. Is that a fair assessment? I would say that's pretty fair. Um, I can like. You know, right now, you know, 247 Sports and even Rivals are showing that there's um, 18 commits. But I can tell you right now there is a silent commit. Um, So we're up to 19. Um, uh, But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, this this class can, you know, if if Rocky Aitogi actually eventually gets, you know, if he just decommits and goes somewhere else or if – you know, the staff just cools off on him. You know, you open up another spot, but I'm, I'm seeing, let's see, probably finishing off at, you know, low 20s. I don't think they'll quite make 25, but it is very possible that they could, yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All righty. Um, so I think those were some of the big um, rumor mill things that popped up at the end of the season with the two coordinators and, and Tate. Um, we'll get into the, uh, our summary of our picks for the season, um, not only the over-unders, uh, but how we did the last couple weeks um, with our uh, against the spread and over-unders uh, for each game. I did want to touch on the uh, two games that are going this weekend. Um, obviously, tomorrow you have the Pac-12 championship game with number 17 Utah going against number 11 Washington. Uh, this is on Fox at 6 o'clock Arizona time. Uh, the spread for this game is uh, Washington minus 5.5. Uh, the game opened up at Washington minus 3 with an over-under of 45 that's since moved up from 43. What do you guys think about that? Washington, easy, over. Yeah, I agree with Gabe, Washington and over. All right, making a trifecta. I think Washington's going to roll on this one and, uh, you know, hopefully have a nice wrap-up to their season despite, uh, I'm sure, some disappointment. And then the rescheduled air quality um, uh, game between Stanford and Cal. Uh, This is going to be on the 1st at 1 p.m. on Pac-12 Networks. Uh, let's see here. Stanford minus three with an over under of 46 and a half. The game opened up at Stanford minus two and an over under 48 and a half. Hmm. I'm actually going to pick Cal in this one and I'm going to go over. And I say that because, I mean, yes, Cal has a really strong defense, but it's a rivalry game, so crazy stuff happens. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Callen over. Um, yeah, I could see this going either way. Um, I'm a big Bryce Love guy, so I'm going to go Stanford. I'll go over as well. I'll go third and I'll go under. 
although Ferd has largely let me down in my under crockpot theory this this season. <laughs> So um, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, this was just a brief one. I wanted to touch on those big rumor uh, issues with the team. I don't have the heart to go into the details of either the Washington State or ASU game. Uh, at this point in time, I don't want a profanity-laced, uh, tear-soaked uh, uh, um, babbling session to develop. Um, maybe in the future we may be able to cover it in more details, but I can't tell you I'm really ever going to get over that loss. Um, and certainly we're going to be hitting the recruiting really hard as we come up on an early signing day. Um, we'll be, if you guys are following, um, Gabe and Brandon's Twitter feed, you'll see updates, uh, by the minute on those guys on activity with, uh, the coaches out recruiting, um, new offers that are going out and the targets uh, that we discussed today. So keep your uh, Twitter ears, um, to the uh, pavement and um, we'll be back I think uh, probably next week on guys and start just hitting some um, recruiting and maybe a season wrap up uh, episode how's that sound sounds Good. great alright anything you guys want to hit before we sign off um nope that's about it agreed alright bear down gentlemen bear, All right, down. bear down peace out <laughs> <laughs>